0: Welcome to Arts Talk TV. We're putting the spotlight on creativity. Hi, I'm Karina Lawrence, and welcome to Arts Talk TV. I'm here in Brisbane's Fortitude Valley at Back Dock Arts, which is a great theatre venue promoting all things arts and supporting it. So make sure you check it out if ever you're in the area. I'm so excited to introduce our next guest here on Arts Talk TV. He has graced the stage in musical theatre, plays on Broadway and on the West End, featured in films, and is a renowned writer, producer and director please welcome to the show the incredibly talented Liam Burke
1: thank you very much
0: welcome it's so great to have you here we feel very privileged thank you so back to your roots here in Brisbane you were born in Brisbane
1: born in Brisbane Red Hill just up the street
0: so tell me you started initially training with the Australian Ballet School
1: well I actually started Scottish and Irish dance wow. at the age of four then I sort of moved into ballet tap and jazz got accepted to the Australian Ballet School in the 80s
0: and then from there you went into the company as well?
1: Not straight away, I actually went into Cats first and then I went oh, okay. back into the company, and then went back into Cats.
0: <laughs> what age did you identify that you wanted to pursue the creative arts as, in, as a career? Uh,
1: probably fairly young, like 10 or 11. And I came from a kind of a, a great little group of dancers in Brisbane who all had careers. Susan Hogarth who went to the Kirov Ballet. Lisa Bolte, the Australian Ballet, Robert Marshall, Kelly Abbey, the great choreographer. Yeah, we all had a sort of great childhood together. We just all knew we would dance.
0: Yeah, your professional debut was at age 10 in Midnight Summer's Dream.
1: Midsummer Night's Dream. Do you feel
0: like that was your turning point?
1: I'd already been kind of working professionally as a kid before that, but that was real, you know, real theatre.
0: Yeah, right.
1: I mean, I always aspired to going into somewhere like Netherlands Dance Mm Theatre
0: because
1: I had a great teacher from Frankfurt Ballet, Tim Gordon, yeah, and he was always like, that's what you should go and do. But it just never happened because I could sing and dance and act and and I really enjoyed it. So ballet would have been a lot harder. Having said that, doing musicals, sometimes you do, playing Mistopheles you are doing a principal role eight times a week, which most principals in a ballet company would only do two or three times a week. So it really has its toll on your body.
0: You've also performed in musicals The Wizard of Oz and West Side Story. In
1: Melbourne, both in in Melbourne, yeah. yeah. Victoria State Opera. Yeah, that was great. Uh, Doing that Jerome Robbins choreography was something else. And it was a wonderful cast. Yep. Marina Pryor, Sean McDermott, Caroline O'Connor. And the set was incredible. The uh, uh, tenement, the tenement blocks actually like leaned in, sort of during uh, during parts of the of the play. It was brilliant.
0: With that environment, you also would pick up a lot of the technicalities behind the stage craft. Do you feel that that was an influence? What made you want to go down that path?
1: And I had started assisting. I've been assisting Susan Stroman on Broadway for a couple of years, and I was creative assistant on A Christmas Carol and she offered me a job on the producers to be associate director but i also got into university and she wrote me the reference wow and i got a full scholarship she's a
0: tony award winner right
1: five times Yeah, she actually paid us out of her own uh, pocket for pre-production for the music man because she wanted extra time with her dance team. Oh
0: my gosh. Yeah,
1: amazing person. And I'd started writing already actually. I wrote to a couple of magazines and one of them picked it up. So I'd already been published before I started at the wow. at university. And my great, 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 great grandmother in Ireland was an early Irish poet.
0: Oh my gosh. Yeah,
1: Moira Bweed O'Leary. Oh wow. And she was one of the few Irish who kept the Gaelic language alive when the British were coming in and destroying it. She couldn't read or write. She was illiterate, but uh, a bunch of priests kept her work alive for centuries. It's quite amazing.
0: the most incredible, inspiring yeah, yeah. story. Yeah, and it's been tra- it has been—it
1: was written in Gaelic, obviously, but has Beautiful. been translated into English, yeah. So Actually, I was in Prague shooting uh, Swing Kids back in 92, and I'd never seen snow in my life. I'd been in London for about two years, and I was cast in Swing Kids, a Disney film and we went out there. We had three weeks to learn how to swing dance. And on one of the days off, um, I was just looking in the guest book at the hotel and it said there was um, a concentration camp nearby, Theresa Camp. And I just got on a bus, I was just drawn to it. And I went there and as I got off the bus, it started snowing for the first time. There's a museum there and uh, that kept all of the kids' drawings under the floorboards there were a lot of artists there who went to, their, went to their death and they kept the kids' artwork and now it's all on display. Wow. And as I walked around, I literally felt my soul rocking inside my body. I went back to the hotel, I was like telling my mother about it. I was like, Mum, I just don't know, don't know why I feel so much about this. And she was like, oh yeah, love, that's because you're Jewish. And I was like, what?
0: <laughs> what point of your career were you open to want to leave Australia, so as to speak?
1: I always wanted to leave Australia. I don't know why. But I went to England as a child with the Australian Youth Ballet. Okay. We danced in London and Aberdeen. Wow. And then I went to Ireland and met my father's family. We spent three months there. So I always knew I'd go back. I wanted to go to Europe. I sort of chased Frankfurt Ballet around Europe because they kept moving every time I to, got to Paris and they'd moved on somewhere else, I yeah. got there. You know, I got into uh, my first West End show very easily because it was an Australian choreographer, Joanne Robinson. I mean, I auditioned, but I got cast in that. And then England was a fairly easy transition because I have an Irish passport.
0: And then so you connected into West End shows. Mm-hmm. Um, you performed uh, The Hunting of the The Hunting Shank. of
1: the Snark.
0: Oh, a snark.
1: It's a Lewis Carroll poem. Yes. Wow. It's an amazing cast. Philip Quast, uh, Martin McCallum, one of the Doctor Whos. Oh, uh, wow. Kenny Everett.
0: Goodness me. Yeah, it was an
1: amazing ensemble, we had an amazing time, but didn't last very long.
0: And he's got your gun. You're and he gets your
1: gun, which I also did with Veronica Hart, which I did Snark with. Uh, we played the juvenile leads, Tommy Keeler and Winnie Tate, and we toured for about five or six months first and then went into the West End. That was amazing, amazing show to do. Who's Tommy? Who's Tommy? <laughs> Well, The Who's Tommy was really a joy because I'd seen the show in New York. I auditioned, it opened in Germany and 80% of the Broadway cast went. So I joined them, which was really a thrill. And then I got to work with Wayne Cilento, uh, Tony Award winner from Chorus Line. Yeah, Uh, I suppose that's actually the difference between uh, the Brits and Americans in a way. Like when I was auditioning for it in London, none of the dancers knew who he was. Like everyone auditioned, I had no idea who Wayne Cilento was. And I was like, are you kidding me? Wow! (laughs) Do your musical theatre research. Research, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: Like the auditions that you did, did you really look into the history or the understanding?
1: I think I naturally see Australian Ballet School, we have dance history every week. And even though it was predominantly ballet and and contemporary dance, I always kind of knew a lot of American history because I had an amazing tap and jazz teacher in Brisbane, uh, Joan Scott was my tap and ballet teacher, and Paz Lawala was my jazz teacher. Now she taught me Jack Cole technique for years, and Joan taught me tap, and she was an amazing tap teacher. She played piano live. She played piano for all my competitions, so I had a great musicality Mm -hmm. from growing up dancing with live music and with bagpipes as well. Do
0: you feel like we need to revisit that in today's world?
1: Yeah, because music has kind of gotten a little bit bland, hasn't it, in many ways. Mm. You know, the melodies in those and the lyrics in those old songs. Mm. There's such great depth to them.
0: Definitely from a musicality point of view. Mm. Absolutely. Mm. The transition for you to be able to work overseas, what about um, in America?
1: Well, I went to America with Tap Dogs. I joined Tap Dogs in London and went on tour with the original guys. We toured for about nine months and I was in San Francisco and I met a lawyer and he said, you should stay. And I was like, okay. <laughs> um, he goes, no, no, let me, let me ask some questions. And he asked me a bunch of questions. How many reviews did I have of my dancing? you know, Who I'd work with? And he said, I think you have an 80 to 90% chance of getting a green card. And I got approved in two weeks.
0: Wow. I mean, he was a
1: goody two shoes of immigration. Yeah. He'd never been refused a case.
0: Yeah, right. So
1: I was lucky to stumble across him.
0: Right time, right place. Basically, green card, uh, creates more opportunities than a, a visa, so to speak. Well,
1: you need a green card to work on Broadway. Okay. So I did get stuck for eight months where they, the immigration sent me a interim work permit. But I had to wait eight months to actually audition for Broadway. Okay. But that was fine, there was plenty of work. I did a bunch of stuff in New York, yeah. A friend of mine back in England was like, she was like, oh my god, you know, you said you were going to do this. Go to Broadway. And I was like, did I? I don't remember that. But I just was like, that's what I wanted to do and that's what I did, you know.
0: So do you think it was just focus? What like and just you knew? Yeah. And does that come down to like knowing your identity?
1: Yes. Or you didn't think
0: about it too much?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Strength of character. You see, living in New York, you would go, I mean, I'd go to ten auditions a week and you come out feeling really good about them all. But as you've been doing this for a couple of years I mean there were some you really 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 wanted to get and then you didn't and then the others the one actually the ones that I didn't really want to get that much I always got and they're always the perfect job for me you know if you can't withstand those knockbacks then you, you won't survive
0: yeah you continued um training throughout your career and you got into acting. You trained at the Actors Centre in London. In
1: London, yeah. That was a union actors uh, studio. You had to be part of the union to get in there. And then when I got to New York, I started at the Atlantic Theatre School and did a couple of sort of long courses there.
0: And do you think it's really important during your career to always revisit the education and the training?
1: You know, in New York, if you're not doing a show, even if you are doing a show, you go and take class every day. I mean, I got to do uh, two weeks with Chris Chadman. Oh my God, incredible class. It was a three hour class. And it was ballet based, you do like one, Ballet exercise, turn around, do it, and then you do it, step away from the bar and do it without the bar, yeah. you know. And if the choreographer doesn't know you, because I was actually living in England and just over there taking class. Mm. If you're good, they give you, you know, they give you attention.
0: How can we build upon that in Australia?
1: Well, I think because we are spread out, you know, we have Sydney and Melbourne and now we have the Gold Coast, you know, has a lot of film being shot, being shot there, so it's, it's harder to build that hub. The statistics were always two out of every hundred performers mm-hmm. that move to New York actually make it to Broadway. Whereas I think in Australia, because of the lack of work, we see so many amazing performers, you know, throw in the towel because yeah. there's always been a lack of work in this country. What I see would be a solution is to strengthen. The membership of the unions, yeah, right. Because in this country, you don't have to be a member of the union to be in a show. I believe I know that's how it always was. I've always been a member of the union. Uh, same mm. in England, you don't necessarily have to be. America is uh, incredibly turned on. Mm. People go out of their way to help you like that.
0: Bad boy Johnny, and made in Sheffield.
1: Choreography for the first time. Yes. Okay. Hmm. I was quite nervous about it and I don't. fortunately they weren't big dance shows so it was a bit of doobop and stuff yeah, okay. like that and one, the other one was kids. Yeah, it was interesting. Uh, that was an easy transition but it wasn't something I really, really, really wanted to do. It just, it just opened up. It was just another job, yeah. yeah.
0: What do you think's been a career highlight for you?
1: Well, working on The Music Man on Broadway was amazing. I was also dance captain. Very often dance captains are the swings, but Stroman wanted me in the show as well. And a lot of kids in the show, so we had a 12-year-old Tyler Peck, who is now a principal of New York City Ballet. We had 13 or 14-year-old Travis Wall. Wow. So you think you can dance. Darling Rebecca Luca, who just passed away, mm. which is devastating. I was doing the show during 9-11, I was setting the national tour during the day and doing the show at night, we call that double duty. I'd crossed the street, was about to go down the stairs in the subway, and for some reason something got at me and I turned around and I saw two people like staring up at the sky. So I walked back up and looked up and there was the first tower up in smoke. And I was like, Jesus Christ, that's a bloody big office fire. (laughs) And then I was like, wow. So I got on on the subway and I heard someone saying, like hysterical, guy I saw a plane going to the tower. And then I got to work and yeah, bang, that's wow. what it was. And we had so many kids in the show. We had to make sure they got to, first of all, they make sure they got to rehearsal. And then we wanted to make sure they didn't see footage. So I didn't see any of the footage. I found an old tape player, uh, which had a radio on it. And there was this silly beam in the middle of this rehearsal studio with a socket. So I put it on a chair and turned it on. So we just heard it on the radio and it was like, I mean, it was, I felt like it was World War II, you know. So we had to wait the whole day to make sure all the kids got home. And then by four o'clock, we we were free, the creative staff. And I then had to walk back downtown because there was no subway towards it all. And then across to Union Square and we stood on the roof and just looked at this red embers and smoke and then I went home, which is further down. The East Village had to show ID to get on my street. We went back to work on the Thursday night and we performed for families of the firefighters. But at least 10 shows closed that week. Mm. And the Music Man, what Strowman did at the end of the show was incredibly beautiful. There was this massive American flag just dropped right on the last beat. So then we started singing the national anthem. I mean, and we're just there in our finale costumes, like like blubbery mess. Yes. And a small audience of like 40 people, you so know. So really affected. The 9-11 was, you know, the city made a push. It was like, get back to the theater, yeah. you know, because it wasn't COVID, yeah. it was, you know, yeah. it was just contained in that area. But it does um,
0: showcase how important it, the arts is Yeah. for the mental and, and you know, well-being of oh, people. Oh yeah, and that's what
1: this, you know, that's what the mayor said. It was like, you know, get into the theatre, get happy, yeah. Healing. Yeah.
0: You were in the original cast of Tap Dogs.
1: Well, I joined the original cast. I actually did, Dean did a workshop back in Sydney and I was a pair of feet in that.
0: So you were assistant to Dean Perry Off-Broadway. Yeah. Tell me about that experience as opposed to just being, I guess, an ensemble or or a featured cast member. Mm.
1: Well, I was swing as well, so I went on and was dance captain. And then when we went to New York, when we got into New York, I took over a role. Amazing, it was an amazing experience. I don't know why I, I mean, Dean's choreography is very specific. It's in very Newcastle, Leslie Griffith's his teacher, very different to Queensland tap, because ours is very on our toes, a bit more uh, Hollywood, New York. And I hadn't tapped really since I was like 15. Yeah. So it just, the muscle memory was amazing because I just sort of went to the audition in New York and he was like, you got it. <laughs> so then I had to learn the whole show and then I trained two companies. I trained the first two American tours. And yeah, it was a great experience. But we met yeah. a lot of great people along the way. Yeah, Yeah, sure. yeah we met Helen Reddy in LA. Wow. That's her heart, yes. her. Yep. Uh, Met Robin Williams in San Francisco, mm. that was amazing. Harrison Ford.
0: Oh my gosh. There was a theatre show you were involved in called Tribe.
1: Yeah, yeah. And
0: you had mentioned that you had the, a brilliant experience of learning over 20 native tribe traditional
1: dancers. Yeah, yeah, there were, uh, gosh, dancers from about 26 tribes of North America. My great friend Raul Trujillo was the director. He is an incredible actor, director, writer. He is the lead um Indian Apoc- in Apocalypto he's also starring now in Mayans MC oh yeah okay. yeah Hi. yeah he's awesome and Alejandro Ronceria, who is Colombian he lives in Canada was the choreographer so I actually assisted both of them and I was the only white person um in the team I think maybe the lighting guy was as well yeah that was amazing and difficult because the Indian dances are all circular Mm -hmm. they don't have a beginning and ending. Oh. So as a dance captain, I'm like,
0: five, six, seven, eight! And they're like... Where from?
1: You know, a lot of them are so specific. Like the hoop dance, I mean, I couldn't even... You can't even learn it.
0: So we've talked a little bit about the films that you worked on, Swing Kids. Center Stage.
1: Center Stage.
0: That's one of my faves. I've watched that a few
1: times. Have you? Yeah. I'm, I'm really little in it. I'm in black with like a orange. What scene? Spring. In the musical theatre scene. Oh, the the pe- red hot the, the, chili peppers. The, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was really a lot of fun. We call that a nar. Okay. No audition required. When oh, Stroman really? calls you up and goes, I want you to be in this. Oh, wow. What a yeah. privilege. Yeah, it was a great privilege.
0: And also the film, pro- the producers.
1: Yes, yes. You how, don't really how... see me in that one very much. Well, I was only one scene. I love that show. I went to because Stroman if you work for her, there was a studio run, or the last run through the studio before they actually went to, I think they opened in Chicago. Mm-hmm. So I was invited to that. Yeah. And I've never laughed so much in the theatre in my life.
0: You moved to LA?
1: Mm, I moved to LA for the weather. <laughs> I just wanted okay. to live somewhere warm.
0: And you worked as the associate producer at Timeline Films?
1: Well, I started there actually as an intern. And one of the producers, Andy Hicks, was a Broadway dancer. And so, with their interns, you know, you kind of need to know a lot about uh, the history of film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then we did film education. I learned to edit on the AVID, lots of research, so I ended up working for them. Uh, the Mary Pickford Institute for Film Education. We would go out in a bus uh, to teach film to high school kids.
0: You wrote and produced and directed Goodbye Miss Monroe at the Metro Arts back in Brisbane. Yep. And then that received a Matilda Award nomination.
1: Yes. Well I had done a little kind of reading of it in Santa Barbara because I was living actually north of LA in this wonderful little beach town called Carpenteria. Mm-hmm. Not Carpenteria, Carpenteria. <laughs> and then I met Matt Young and he came when we did a read through and I was asking him who would I get to play this girl. Now at that point the woman was going to play seven or eight characters, but for some reason I just still had her like as a phone voice. I didn't really know how to get her onto the stage for some reason. And then he suggested Anna Burgess, this brilliant Melbourne actress. And I sent her the script, and you know, as a writer, it's you love it when an actor or an actress calls you within twenty-four hours. And says, I love it. She goes, I love it. It's all I ever want to do. It's like great, and she was just sensational. She played. Uh, Mitzi Gaynor, Rita Hayworth, Betty Grable, Jane Russell, uh, Marilyn. Uh, she played Martha Graham. Yeah, that was a great experience, really great. And it was one of those things where it was just so easy. Yeah, you know? flowed. Stage manager, two actors, me, we just put the show up in four or five days, opened. Wow. Yeah, And then we went to Melbourne, sold out in Melbourne. And then I was we were trying to get it to Sydney, but I had to get back to the US. Okay. And then last year, or year before, I went to London. But it didn't have as much to do with that production. Okay. And then we just did Smiley here. So Smiley is a Spanish play, which uh, Matt, who did my first play, and Sergio, so Sergio Torres did this play in Chile five years ago in Spanish. Wow. And then he's emigrated here, and then he met Matt, and they're both, as one of, the, one of the reviews said, champagne casting. So they asked me to come in and direct it and that was extraordinary. And that was here, and we moved into the theater on the Monday morning, and we had our first audience on Wednesday night, then we opened wow. on Thursday, yeah. Again, it was just like, I don't know, I just learned how to be prepared. I think I learned that from Stroman. You just, there's, you know, you do everything you can in the studio. You see how it, it all works. I mean, Stroman has uh, fake props made up mm-hmm. and fake set pieces made up. If there's a table, there'll be a table, the same dimensions. You know, in rehearsal to make just so, so you it's just transition. Yeah,
0: you've worked thirty years abroad mm. um, with the lack of opportunities and support and culture of the arts, and um, I guess like media enhancement here in Australia. Do you feel like it's like we focus more on the international stars and recognise Australians once they've made it overseas?
1: You know, Kate Blanchett and Rose Byrne are in have been in, you know, Mrs America, one of HBO's HBO's, greatest new series, you know, they didn't go to America and learn how to act, (laughs) you know. There's hundreds of them here, but they went to America and for opportunity, you know, Mm. so I'm having a hard time because I've watched it over the years, coming back for vacation or to do the odd job here and there. I've seen the dwindling down, sort of the disappearance of the arts. I mean, when I was a child, I was in the newspaper like six times a year. Like Scottish dance competition, youth ballet, you know. I'm really uh, sure that the mainstream media is a big part of the problem. I mean, promoting Smiley, now we self-produced it, we didn't have a um, a publicist. And last minute I realised we didn't have a lot of critics coming and I'd called upon someone to um, see if I could, he could reach out. Anyway, he gave me some, some emails of media companies and no response. Yeah. I mean, one of them responded and said that, you know, it was too late. I'm like, well, too late for what? What <laughs> arts stories are you covering? Yeah. And the other thing that was said was pitch it as a news story, not an art story. And I'm like, why? Yeah. Why is the arts, is it a dirty word? Yeah. When I look at my mother who watches the football now. Now, when I was eight, she took me to the opera as part yeah. of my arts training, theatrical training. Yeah. You know, she has no interest in any of it now because it's beaten out of it, because it's, it's it's invisible. There's yeah. nothing there. Agree. You know, I there's agree. nothing on TV yeah. and it's wrong. And there's nowhere else in the world that you'd go and find that. But I wonder how Australian sports fans would feel if the sports segment was only about American sports players.
0: True, yes.
1: You know, if they didn't get any recaps on the games that they missed, Mm -hmm. they only had presidential golf and gridiron and basketball. I don't think they'd be very happy.
0: Well, we wouldn't be so familiar or aware of Aussie rules players in Australia or us sportsmen in Australia. Yeah. You know, it would be- It's
1: a very big problem. Mm. Uh, like in 1955, so Robert Heltman and Catherine Hepburn came out to do three Shakespeare's with the, for the Old Vic. Yeah. Uh, they went up to the Barrier Reef, and they hired a glass-bottom boat. And the old digger on the boat was, you know, amused by them. And he's sitting there with his sunblock on his nose and his hat, and he goes, "What do you guys do?" Well, Bobby's explaining, you know, we are actors, and well, she's come from. America, I've come from the UK, we're here doing some Shakespeare. And he said, um, yeah, but what do you do for a job? Now, I know that people don't say that here anymore.
0: Oh, they think it.
1: They do think it. There's an extreme lack of respect Mm. for the industry. Mm. That parochialism, it still does exist in this country. I got down to the line to play a policeman in a TV commercial. Uh, a real cop came in and got the job. Now see, in America, he wouldn't be allowed in the door. So I was having a conversation with some, with a journalist at Sydney Morning Herald, and he couldn't understand, he thought that was too exclusive. You can't exclude people. Right. And I was like, okay, so I should be able to go for any job that I'd like to as well. Mm. And he said, well, yes. I said, oh, okay, they need a brain surgeon down at St. Vincent's. Should I be allowed to apply for that? And he said, don't be ridiculous. I said, why? You know. Actors, singers, dancers especially. We've been training since we were four years old. We've devoted like
0: our lives. Our
1: literally. lives, yeah. Yes. So definitely. it's definitely
0: very valuable you know,
1: point. You know, we've got hundreds, thousands of incredible actors in this country, singers, dancers, we do it. You go overseas, you get a job like that, you know. Mm-hmm. Growing up Australia was actually terrific because we got the best of American television, we got the best of British television, and we got our own. Yeah. And with the government's new quotas, although I think believe that has been changed now, you know, the the idea was just to play American reality TV and cut the quotas of Australian work, Australian content.
0: Mm.
1: So whoever, I don't know, who's making these decisions and why are they making them? Why are they in charge of an industry they don't understand? And I think the way government works in these countries, you don't necessarily have to know anything about the sector. which. I know there's a lot of stuff that they do behind the scenes, but I think that needs to change.
0: Okay, so we have a really fun little part here on Ask Talk TV called the Shutter Speed Challenge. Okay. So I'm gonna throw some questions at you and you just try and respond as quickly as you can. The last song you listened to?
1: To make um, you feel my love. Oh, yeah, make me feel great. great.
0: What does creativity mean to you? Life. Mmm. see, pointing person you most like to meet?
1: Q Min Lu from Netflix.
0: <laughs> wow. What question would you ask?
1: Will you produce my TV series?
0: <laughs> Last piece of art that really affected you?
1: My friend has some really nice two... A diptych of the Story Bridge that was very beautiful.
0: Wow. If you had to label creativity with a colour, what colour would you choose?
1: I thought it was green.
0: Mm, love. What would you miss most about the arts?
1: Well, see, I have a, um, I can, I have a thing, I sort of call it A&E, arts and entertainment. Mm-hmm. So, I love television, so I would, you know, I miss binging some good TV. <laughs> and finding a show that I really love and then watching it again like two years later from the beginning to end. Yeah. Yeah.
0: What chore do you most dislike doing?
1: Chore, chore, chore. Swatting flies. Swatting flies. Queensland flies.
0: In one word, what does the arts mean to you?
1: God. (laughs) Creativity, it's God.
0: Liam, I feel so privileged to have sat across from you and just listened to your incredible life and the stories. Thank you so much. Thank you, it's really inspiring, and I feel. I feel like you've done so much yet, there's a sneaky suspicion that it's there's so much left to I do I hope it's you. not over yet, yeah. No, <laughs> no, I think you have much more to contribute and um, as I said, it's a privilege to have connected with you. Thank you very much.
1: With you. Bless your soul. Bless you, cheers. <laughs>
0: joining us. We look forward to seeing you at our next
1: episode.